Welcome to the MBI Edge podcast, where we explore the backgrounds of interesting individuals and how they intersect with our building industry in Iowa. I'm your host, Ben Hammes, and I'm going to bring to you topics that help educate, develop, grow, and enhance you and your company. Well, good morning, Bill Schmarzo. How are you, sir? Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's cold out there, so I'm glad to be inside and talking about such a warm, invigorating concerning topic. I love it. I love it. I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Were you back in Iowa by chance or were you in California? No, we we live here in Iowa, so this is where we were. So um, yeah. I'd rather have been in California. It was a lot nicer weather yeah. there, I'm sure. <laughs> That's right. Well, let's get the uh, hard-hitting questions out of the way first. Um, I believe you're a Niners fan. Is that right? Amen. I love, a... I love watching an Iowa State quarterback Throwing to an Iowa tight end for touchdowns. How, how about that? How about that? We got a shot on Sunday afternoon against the Eagles. We certainly do. Um, um, they're their Niners are playing really, really well. Yeah. They stumbled a bit. They picked up a new defensive uh, end who I think made a big difference. And yep. um, I'm I'm excited about the future going forward. Well, you and I might be the only Iowa 49ers fans before Purdy and Kittle, but we could say that we were there first. So that's, yeah, right. that's, that's been right. fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, listen, what's new in the world of big data? Well, nothing. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's not oh. a scary world at all. Oh my gosh, this the the chat GPT craze has just been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And the the I think the good news about it, it has um definitely elevated the organization's understanding how important and valuable their data can be, but also realizing without a plan on how to apply that, you end up nowhere. Right. Right. What's your take on this whole Sam Altman chat GPT exile coming back? What are you reading between the lines? What did he find out about chat GPT? Well, it wasn't Sam. It was his chief scientist. Okay. Um, who I name I can't pronounce. I think it's Ilias something. Okay. And he's the one I think who raised an issue to the board of directors mm-hmm. about safety concerns. Now, when you think about safety, we're not talking about industrial machines and such. We're we're talking about how models use data to make recommendations. And very, he was very concerned that we were, we had our nose way above the skis and hadn't thought through all the safety ramifications, all all of the unintended consequences for what is happening. So to me, I look at that as that's what I want from those people. Mm. I don't, I don't want, don't need to blow smoke up my skirt. I got all the marketing folks doing that. Mm-hmm. I want my, my, want my data scientists to think about the ramifications and costs of all the unintended consequences, how things can be misapplied so that we can build safeguards, we can build, um, identify the variables and metrics to make sure we can mitigate the potential problems that can come out. So I think it was fabulous. It was important. Mm. We needed to have that kind of a awareness raised. It's It will hopefully, it'll, it'll do two things. One, it'll ensure or ensure that the data scientists and organizations across the country that are putting AI into place are doing so in a responsible and ethical way. But the other thing is I hope it's a wake up call for 
everybody else, all the non-data scientists who mm. need to become aware, who need to who need to embark on this journey of AI and data literacy. And what role do governments play now from a higher level in in taking what these data scientists are finding and then putting in those safeguards to protect the public? Do you have any confidence in that role? Um, not in governments per se, but I do have confidence in in potential third parties. Um, the I think what as I read through the latest White House White House's executive order, what they haven't done yet is to really start to define the variables and metrics around which every AI model needs to adhere. Um, metrics around ethics. Ethics, metrics around environmental, around social and diversity and community. And so we have not gotten into the nuts and bolts. It's kind of like in, in your industry, you know, not having standards for nails and boards and such. You didn't have standards for boards, for two by fours were actually all different shapes. Good luck trying to get the materials you need to buy a house. And so mm. we've not put in place, the government has not yet defined at a minimum level, the standards around ethical, responsible behavior. And that's where it needs to go next. And I think what you're going to start seeing is that some parts of the world are going to take a lead in this. They're the first, the folks in uh, EMEA in Europe, for example, have what's called a GDPR, which manages the ethical use of data. And if you violate GDPR, the costs can be extra, extra, you know, very extravagant, very high. California has their consumer um, uh, act as well. And so I think you're going to start seeing more and more states maybe not at a federal level, but states start mandating minimum viable behaviors that'll soon start to collaborate and will come up with a viable set of variables and metrics against which these AI models need to adhere. Mm. Interesting. Um, and cross-collaboration between governments of, uh, of uh, between the United States and sort of the world superpowers, I suppose. Yeah, between, between the, the, <clears throat> the countries, between states, between industries, I I think what one thing that I think we know about, but maybe not be as obvious to well, maybe it's not even obvious to us, is how interconnected we all are. Right. I mean, it, it isn't like you know you you push the you know the balloon at one side and it pops out over someplace else. We are all very interconnected. The pandemic taught us that you know, in in a very rough manner, how dependent we are upon other parts of the world to even get us things like toilet paper, mm -hmm. and so. When you start thinking about the interconnectedness and how we need to make certain that all the players are using the same rules and regulations and those rules and regulations are enforced in a uniform manner, then we're going to have something. I mean, I don't worry about AI. I don't worry about AI at all. What I worry about is the people who are trying to define those, those guardrails, those minimum set of variables and metrics around which the AI utility function, which is the beating heart of your AI model, actually has, has to uh, conform to. At the end of the day, there's still a human element behind the AI models, right? Yeah, the human, yeah, we're, an AI model will only do what we train it to do, Right. period. It, yeah. It's, you know, the, the thing about the chat GPT, you have all these conversations, people talking about, you know, the, the, this, this has got smarts, it's got wisdom. And I, and I love this quote, I'm gonna read this quote I got, it said, mm -hmm. Large language models and gener generative AI need substantial prompt engineering because they are context blind. They literally vomit words in a statistically significant order based upon how you structured your question, and they haven't a clue 
as to what you are actually asking them. Mm, mm. It's autocomplete on steroids. Yeah. And we think it's we think there's a there's a we think there's a man behind the curtain, but there's not. It's yeah. truly my wife would call it monkey tricks. It's parody. Mm. It's parodying what it's read and it paired it back without even understanding at all what it's parodying back, which is why you get hallucinations, why you sometimes get answers that don't make any sense at all. Because it's just we take a look at all the data, all this information in the past. It's found relationships, tokens, they call it, and they and they statistically link it together and say, based on what you gave me for a for a prompt, here's my answer. Yeah. And it may or may not make sense. Well, I'm seeing that right now, and maybe our listeners are too, the newest iOS update on our iPhones. I was sending a text message this morning and it was starting to populate the words for me that were not the direction I wanted to go. But I very easily could have done that. And I guarantee you my mom and dad are going to do it. And it's not going to make any sense. So there's still that that human element behind the models, which is which is fascinating. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The so, humans are still in control. We're still in control. Yeah. And right. We and we will be in control because it doesn't again, the AI models will only do what we train them to do. So if we train them to do act responsibly and ethically, we won't have a problem. And we build safeguards for the nefarious organizations who want to work around the edges. That's where the big jobs are going to be. Mm. I call them AI detectives, the AI Dick Tracy's of the world who are out there investigating these, these models to make sure they do adhere and they don't adhere. The penalties will be severe. And I'm talking board of directors, jail time severe. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Now, did I see that you just released a new book uh, on AI it and data literacy? Let's plug that real quick. Let's let's da, plug da, 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 there ah, it. Is. Very good. It, it's it's written for everybody. Okay. Except they except data scientists. <laughs> so it's for the rest of us to understand. Yeah. It's right. what do what do we what do we know about data and this particular big data? Why is why is big data such a powerful concept? Um, what are some basics around how does AI work so I can feel more comfortable? You know, how do I make better decisions? How do I use rudimentary statistics to improve my decision-making so I improve my odds? Because that's basically all we're ever doing. So it's it's kind of very fundamental. And I've had a lot of, of, of um, college students who aren't data scientists and even the, the barista at my, my local caribou who have read the book and go, God, this, you make things sound really easy. Because it is. Mm. It, it is easy. These, you break it down to these basic concepts. And it's like, I... We need to make certain that everybody with respect to AI understands their role, responsibilities, and rights when it comes to AI. Mm. They don't need to accept what's given to them. What do you they mean by rights? Sorry to interrupt. What do you mean by rights? Your rights to speak up. If you get, if you are denied a loan, you have the right to know why was I denied. If there was some AI model who said that you aren't worthy of a loan, you have the right to say, tell me exactly why I, what I didn't qualify on. So everybody mm -hmm. needs to know that they could be Tom Hanks in the movie Big, and they can raise their hand and say, I don't get it. Why was I denied? Everybody has that right. So we need to make sure people are empowered to still hold their hand and say, I need to understand why you didn't admit me to this college, why I didn't get this loan. You know, why, why am I paying insurance higher than my neighbor, for example? You have that right. Interesting. Well, uh, for our audience out there, I probably should have said this in the beginning to let everybody know who it is we're actually talking to. Bill Schmarzo is a cons customer advocate at Dell Technologies, amongst 
a number of different things. He's a professor. He teaches. He's been in big data. He's known as the dean of big data. Uh, we had Bill on a few months ago, um, and we decided to bring him back again to talk about the upcoming winter conference. He's going to be doing a keynote address for our technology and innovation breakfast, and then he's going to be having a breakout session. And I'm guessing for our audience here who are saying, look, I have no experience in this world. I'm not using data to drive my decisions to make better revenues, better profits, whatever that might be. You're going to kind of give them that under the curtain look at how they can implement these styles. So can you kind of plug that seminar for our audience? Yeah. So every one of these conversations, we're going to start by talking about and understanding how your organization creates value. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to start by talking about data and we're not going to start by talking about AI because, you know, AI is just a shiny hammer mm -hmm. and data is just, you know, the logs that we have, right? We need to know first off what it is we're trying to accomplish. If I think about the construction business, am I building a house? Am I building a skyscraper? Or am I building a you know a tough shed? What am I building? You need to understand what it is you're trying to accomplish, what your intentions are, and what the value is of that. That is, what are your desired outcomes? So we're going to talk a lot about how do you frame the conversation. Once I know my desired outcomes, once I know um, how I'm going to measure the effectiveness of those outcomes, the, you know, the measures for that. Now I've got the starting point for understanding, well, if these are the measures I need to use to measure that, to measure my effectiveness, these are the data sets I'm gonna need, and here are the analytic tools I'm gonna need. Now, most of the analytics we're gonna do, some of them can be done in spreadsheet. I've seen some marvelous spreadsheet work done where you're just trying to understand and build some very simple models, because ultimately we're building models. I like spreadsheet models. They're very open, very transparent. I know what the variables are. They're not easy to maintain. And spreadsheet models can certainly, when the person who built the spreadsheet goes somewhere else, that spreadsheet has problems, which is kind of an issue. But I like spreadsheets and why we why we use spreadsheets in the college and the university, because you can see the variables you're putting in, you can determine the weights and you can watch it actually work. So you don't need to be able to have to build you know, machine learning algorithms or generative AI, large language models or you no know, deep neural networks. You don't need that. A lot of our basic stuffs can be done rudimentary in a spreadsheet. Now, as we want to get more advanced in our decision making, as we want to become more accurate, we can build upon and expand it. But don't start big. Don't start with Big Bang. Don't start with, I'm going to have to get a machine learning expert in here. No, no. Let's start small. And if I can, let's say my, my, my initiative is how do I reduce you know, excessive and obsolete inventory? I got, I got inventory piling up, right? I can probably make a significant dent in that by understanding the data that I've got around that, looking at predicting what my load is going to be, and then figuring out what of that inventory do I not kind of get rid of, right? And and I can do a lot of that in some very simple spreadsheet or multi multivariate regression analysis is still probably used by 90% of all organizations to make their decisions. Multivariate regression analysis has been around since there we had dinosaurs building homes and such. So like Fred Flintstone. So <laughs> this is. We, we don't need to make this sound like rocket science because it's not, but it has to start. Mm -hmm. It has to understand what is you're trying to accomplish, what does success look like, and what are the KPIs and metrics against which you're going to measure that. And once I have that, now I can figure out what tools I need and what data I need. Yeah. Well, in every one of these companies, they know their desired outcomes are what the customer's outcomes are. What does the owner want? Right. And then they got to backtrack that and figure out how to input to determine how they get there. 
whether that be the supply chain, whether that be what they're ordering, whether that be pricing, whatever it is, they need to figure out because ultimately at the end of the day, their success is their customers and clients success. Same way with subcontractors, same way with suppliers, same way with everybody down the line. So if you are interested in figuring out how to maximize that value and using your data to drive those decisions, this is the seminar you're going to want to be at. You're going to want to hear from Bill. He's an expert in this field, and we're very excited to have him in February. Bill, is there anything else you'd like to talk about here before we uh, let you go? The only thing I will say is when we have the, the um, in February, we do the, the, the workshop and such, people should come prepared to talk about their business initiatives, what's mm -hmm. most important to them. And everybody will have something slightly different, which is okay, which is good. We're going to take that and we're going to start, you know, peeling the onion on that, really tearing good. it apart. And we got, we have some, we're going to introduce, or I'm going to do some tools or some design canvases that they're going to be able to use to help them understand the process. It's not, it's not magic. It just takes hard work and some thoughtful approach and a willingness to try, fail, and learn from those trials. That's great. That's good advice. The preparation's key here for taking the seminar. So if you want to dive in deep, have this as an, uh, a really interactive lesson that you can take back to your company. Again, this is something that um, we're very excited to bring Bill um, to the Winter Conference, and I know he's going to have a, a sold-out show. So, um, Bill, I promised you 20 minutes. It's 20 minutes. I appreciate your time so much. We'll talk to you, uh, I'm sure, leading up to it even more in February. And Sounds great, Ben. For those online, if those that want to find Bill, uh, Bill Schmarzo, S-C-H-M-A-R-Z-O. Uh, he is very active on LinkedIn. Um, if you want to go out and check him out. I don't know. Are you doing any YouTube stuff or is it primarily through LinkedIn and Twitter? I put a little bit out on YouTube. Um, I use that to provide summaries on the book. But if you follow me on LinkedIn, everything ends up channeling through LinkedIn. And I would strongly recommend that everybody follow me, not because... I'm brilliant or anything, but because there is a community of people who I interact with, and some of these people are just, wow, they are really smart. And so I, part of what I think my job is, is to nurture conversations. And so if you yeah. follow me, you'll get the benefit of all these people who are really bright, who are sharing ideas, who are having arguments, by the way. Mm. Like we don't, in data science, you can't run away from arguments. If you don't agree with somebody, you can't take the ball and go somewhere else because mm. you're all using the same ball. And so you're going to see conversation conflict, but it's okay because from diversity of perspectives, we get innovation. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks, Bill. Go Niners. We'll see you soon. Sounds good, Ben. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. It's been real. Calling all UMBI members. It's that time of year again. Our Toys for Tots campaign has kicked off to bring your toys to our headquarters at 4100 West Town Parkway in West Des Moines. In conjunction with our CARES program, we're excited to once again be part of the Toys for Tots campaign. Help us reach our record this year. Bring your toys. Drop-off date December 15th, 4100 West Town Parkway in West Des Moines. Thanks for all your support.